All right, everyone, welcome back to the Charge Running Podcast. This is episode 25. I am Coach Justin Horniker here with Coach Donovan Stewart. Coach Donovan, how are you doing? I am doing amazing. There's a heat wave across the country. Oh, boy. Humidity everywhere. <laughs> And I'm doing what I can. <laughs> we were just talking about this. I turned my AC off to record and it has been off for about five minutes and I'm already sweating. <laughs> That's why I left the East Coast. I couldn't deal with humidity anymore. <laughs> I understand it. I don't know why I still live here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Donovan. So we were talking, you've been doing a lot of shoe research lately. I've worked at run specialty stores pretty much my whole adult life. So we thought it'd be a good episode to talk about shoe tech, talk about common shoe related inquiries. Donovan, what's on your mind? <laughs> so the thing that during my research, the thing okay. that was really blowing my mind was the fact that female shoes or running sneakers only started happening in the 1970s. And you brought to my attention, I was like, you know what? Women weren't allowed to run for right around that era, right around that age. Mm. And that just like sitting and rereading that is just mind blowing to me. I can't, I can't believe that that's so recent. It is like mildly upsetting and probably like a lot more upsetting. Like for a long time, like women and men do have like slightly different foot types on average. So like, a lot of women were just trying to cram their feet into men's shoes and hoping for the best. <laughs> and that's the worst part. And like men's shoes, it's, they're still on a path of getting better too. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the, the crazy part. Did you know how the first uh, possible uh, trail running sneaker was ever created? I don't think I do. Maybe I do. In like the back of my head somewhere. <laughs> right, let's, let's see if we can bring All it right. up. All right. For everyone's uh, sitting and watching this or listening in right now, I want you to think about like, what was the first ever running uh, sneaker? It came out in 18, possibly 1865. There was a, a pair of Oxfords that were found in uh, England, in Northampton, England, that um, had a pair of, like had loads of spikes in the bottom of the Oxfords. And people assumed that this was meant for trail running. This is how they were getting outside and running. Just throw on some spikes and some dress shoes and see what could come about. <laughs> it's like the history of running shoes is fascinating because like you have so much going on in terms of like when we were trying to figure out what would work. And you had people like Emil Zatopek. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Donovan, but he's a, an Olympian from like the 70s. He was a Finnish runner who would run in like soldier boots basically. And like would do all of his training runs in boots so that like when you ran in spikes, he thought like the lightness of the spikes versus training in like uh, actual boots would be an advantage to him. And like maybe it was, but he probably could have done better in actual training shoes. But it's impressive that everything that people used to do, like the first New Balance shoe was actually like a fencing shoe that they used. They turned into like a track spike, called it the trackster. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. The military shoes, the military <laughs> boots that I knew, because um, Nike, they actually sponsored for a certain amount of time, the, the US Army and mm. gave all their, the soldiers for them to like run their conditioning miles, like go run in Nikes and see how you feel. And uh course they weren't getting injured they weren't getting as hurt and uh it became a thing that maybe military boots aren't a aren't a good move for runners <laughs> maybe not maybe not <laughs> i'm sure listeners probably have like horror stories about it if they were in the military before i've heard quite a few <laughs> 
Yeah, I have heard of. Um, have you ever heard of David Goggins? Yes. Yes. Yeah, he the did man, a lot the myth, of the legend. <laughs> he um, as of today, he just uh, he just announced that he uh, he sold three million copies of his book. Nice. Yeah, it can't hurt me. And uh, he he did marathons. He's done loads of stuff in his military boots. I'm like, wow, that's something that I don't want to do. <laughs> Dom, it's something I want to do because since we come from like slightly different running backgrounds, I don't remember what a lot of my running questions, my running shoe questions were early on because I've always kind of been going to running stores and have had like the whole running store spiel from like junior high onward. So let me ask you, when you were first getting into running and first learning about running shoes, what was something that you didn't know that just like blew your mind? I didn't know how light shoes could be. Mm. So my first pair of trainers, uh, I had a background in sprinting. My first pair of trainers were these heavy, clunky, disgusting shoes that just weighed me down. And I would go from that into racing spikes. And what I realized when I was running in those heavy, clunky shoes, it actually changed my form and it changed Mm. how my mechanics were for my sprinting because the heel drop was huge on the shoe. So my foot was like this. And for sprinting, you should be like this. <laughs> so it was, I didn't realize that they, there's different types of shoes that one are heavy, some are light. There's disp- the, what do they call it? The stability shoe. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I had no clue what any of those were until I became a running coach. Yeah. It's really interesting. And like working at a running store, you get a lot of people who come in who kind of don't have that knowledge also. And that also like, don't know how they run, which is like, what's important as someone who works at a running store is like having that gait analysis. And if you've never done a gait analysis before talking to our listeners, it's really important. and could probably tell you things about your, your running in general that you don't know. And like, for me, I supinate really badly. Like my hips just don't rotate. So I land on the outside of my foot a ton. So it's always important that, you know, I get a nice neutral shoe with a lower heel to toe drop heel to toe being what Donovan was talking about where your heel and your forefoot are, you know, anywhere from like four millimeters to six millimeters is kind of my, my perfect range of shoe. And basically what that means is that my foot doesn't have to work quite as hard in that full rotation to get to my forefoot and a lot less injuries for me that way. However, I say that because I also used to run stability shoes like growing up. And I think that's what led to a few of my injury problems that I had early on in my running career, because stability shoes, they're made for people who pronate. Pronate is when your ankle and your foot rolls inward. So if your foot doesn't roll in and you have all of this kind of stability and now they do guide rails, so it's not quite as as intrusive, but they for the longest time for stability, we just did posting and posting is this like really dense foam that's hard as rock that's denser than the rest of the foam on the shoe. And basically what that does is it just turns your foot outward if you don't need that much stability. So that was always kind of for me learning that and learning that I needed kind of a really lightweight shoe. But like with anything, Donovan, it's whatever works best for you personally. And that's one thing I tell a lot of a lot of my clients and a, a lot of people I, I, that are interested in running is mm. don't be attached to a brand, a company, uh, a shoe. Just play and see what works best for you. Yeah, and 
Like there's a little bit of trial and error there, unfortunately. You know, it's not always gonna be like this shield work best for you. And sometimes it won't. But that's where like like I say, I will talk to death about going to an actual running store and getting fitted and like going through the whole fitting process because that does narrow down the options of like these shoes will actually work for you and then it comes down to whatever feels best on your foot and feels best while you're running yeah i think that's that's key so what are your thoughts like i 100 agree with going mm -hmm. in store and trying out uh trying out different sneakers i think it's key to, to learning but what do you think about all these newer companies that are coming up that are trying to fix the the big corporate uh, hmm. issue of our shoes are perfect because of this yeah our shoes are perfect because of this and now it's new companies coming in like no 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 try something completely brand new and it's working like, what are your thoughts on, on that? i was like so first off i love new brands coming in and like disrupting the whole uh hierarchy of running shoes that we have that's always you know i'm a punk at heart so i always appreciate it like <laughs> There's a couple of brands like Don, we were talking about Atreyu off the broadcast before we started recording, like on running has been another brand that has kind of come in out of nowhere. Um, so fast. <laughs> Ultra is another brand that like has this whole different foot shape. You know, there's a lot of different brands out there that are trying to solve problems in the running world that are doing really well at it. It is one of those things where like, if you haven't tried it before, you do kind of have to take a little bit of a stab in the dark to be able to like try it out, especially brands like Treyu, brands like On that aren't necessarily in every run specialty store at the moment. But knowing how you run, knowing your if you're a supinator, if you're a pronator, um, knowing kind of what your ideal heel to toe drop is uh, for what feels good for you will help fill in some of those gaps. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. I think having the, the gate analysis is going to be essential for a lot mm -hmm. of runners, even if um, shopping online, because showing that gate analysis to a run coach or showing it to a run company uh, store mm -hmm. will be key. And also for the listeners, if you don't know, we actually provide gate analysis here at charge running with our coach Casey. So if you're ever interested in that, always reach out to us and we could support you with finding out how your body moves. Donna, that's a good shout. That was something I forgot to bring up. So I appreciate you talking about it. But like that's important too, what Coach Casey does, because not only are we looking at your gait, but we're also looking at like what your hips are doing. And so we're not just looking at, you know, how your ankles move as you walk to put you in a shoe. We're also looking at, you know, how your hips are reacting, which can tell us like certain weak spots in your running form, things we need to work on. It can tell you a lot about your running that is fixable. Yeah. Running is a lot of stuff with running. And one thing that I, I remember the first conversation I had about this company when they came out was Hoka One One. Love me some Hoka's. They came out, they were new, and they were these big old boat shoes mm. that when I, as a run coach, I looked at these and I was like, no, this is incorrect. This is wrong. And that's what I was getting into my uh, all runners should be natural phase mm. is like, we need to get rid of the shoe and run barefoot. And, um, Hoka has transformed as a company and, uh, they, they're, I think the number one running, running shoe out there right now, cause they have now not only the maximum cushioning, uh, shoe, but they also, they're breaking their weight down closer to minimal, not completely minimal, mm. but they have, they have the, the closer to it now. Okay. 
from what I know from like run specialty stores, Hoka is now like the number two most popular like running shoe behind Brooks, which Brooks is always going to be at least for now, number one, just because they like have such a variety and they've been there for so long. But like Hoka does a really good job of reaching into like a little bit of everything. Um, they're also like the company that is investing the most in like grassroots track and field right now. But like you're saying, Donovan, when they first came onto the market, it was such a weird thing. Like I remember they first came out, I was, I guess it was like, I think in 2010, 2011. So I was a junior or senior in high school and just like seeing, starting to see runners in them at cross country meets and being like, what is that? <laughs> and I was definitely of the mind of like, I just gotten done reading Born to Run. I was very much in like the minimal phase of, I want the, which I still like light shoes. I'm still very much a light shoe person, a low heel to toe drop person, but I run the Hoka Clifton. That's the shoe I run in the most. And it's a low heel to toe drop. It's very light for how much cushioning it has. And it does a really good job of just like holding up for a ton of miles when you need to just like a good daily trainer. It's such a fantastic shoe. Yeah, I agree. I, um, I was so anti Hoka. My fiance, she <laughs> loves Hoka. She has Clifton's for days. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, I remember we were going to, we were going to the store for the first time and we were going to get our, our running sneakers. And she was like, try Hoka. And I'm walking to the door. I'm like, I, I'm not doing Hoka. Hoka are horrible for you, blah, blah, blah. And I get in there and I try a pair on of a, I try a pair of the Clifton's. And I was like, wow. Well, all right. These, these are nice. These are good. And then I tried, uh, I forgot the, the model that I have. It's not the Clifton's, but it's just a little bit less cushioning right below it. Probably the mock, maybe. No, it wasn't the mock. The Kavu. Blow my mind. <laughs> I'm not. I'm gonna remember by that time we're done. Okay, sounds good. But I tried them on. I was like, all right, these, these are the ones I'm going after. Mm. And I've been running in those and Sockneys ever since. And um, I think they're they go hand in hand because my Sockneys are super light. They're they fly for me. And then the Hoka just a little heavier. But for those long extra mileages, they're so perfect. And this brings me to my question for you. What do you think on about runners having multiple pairs of shoes for their, their running repertoire? I highly recommend it. Like I, I usually add two to three pairs in my rotation at all times because like, first off, if you have two pairs of shoes, you're giving them time to kind of bounce back, right? If you're running every day, you're alternating shoes, you're giving each shoe at least 24 hours for that foam to kind of bounce back because it gets compressed over the course of a run and it needs a lot of time to, you know, get that air back into it, so to speak, on like a molecular shoe level. Yeah, that no, that's hundred percent right. Out. Yeah. Um, so you give it time to do that, which gives you a little bit more out of each shoe. You're not breaking it down quite as quickly and you're buying two at a time. So you're not going through shoes as fast, but Donovan, to your point, it gives you a little bit of room to kind of experiment with different shoes, kind of go with, I have Sockneys too. So I either go with Saucony or New Balance, and then I usually have a Hoka in the rotation. So something a little bit more like squishy cushion and something a little bit firmer. Cause I, on my faster days, I do like to have something with a little more like responsive feel. Um, mm -hmm. That's why I like Sockneys because they have that kind of Everend foam that does feel like it has a lot of bounce to it that when I'm running fast feels really good. Um, whereas that kind of softer cushion can sometimes feel like a little heavy on your foot. So I like to add those different feels and you're doing another thing of if you're running in different shoes, you're running slightly different in every shoe that you wear. So you're kind of 
not wearing down the same ancillary muscles that you do if you're running in the same shoe every day and like, you know, getting the inconsistencies in your form that comes with that. So if I could recommend that high enough, I would, I always love having shoes in the rotation. Yeah. And you spoke a lot about the foam and I think the, mm. the history of foam in, uh, in sneakers. Well, before I even get into that, do you know why they called, why they're called sneakers? I don't, I don't know. So I got into a, a, a good discussion with my fiance because she calls them tennis shoes. Mm. But for me, I'm like, you don't play tennis in running shoes. Yeah. You go running in them. So she explained to me and like, and she's from uh, Mexico. So she explained they're called uh, tenis, which is uh, like just shoes. So un tenis. I'm like, all right, cool. So I looked up what, why I call, why do I call them sneakers? It's the East coast thing. And in the, I think it was the 1940s. 1940s or 1930s, one or the other, when Converse first came out, they mm. introduced rubber into shoes. And it was the first time that there are shoes that you didn't hear people walking in them. So they were sneaking. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do think it's funny, like, because in the Midwest, they definitely call them tennis shoes when you're working at like, a, like I worked at running stores that we had other shoes too. So when someone comes in looking for a pair of tennis shoes, you have to like clarify if they're looking for sure. like, <laughs> like, are you yeah, actually so looking like, for tennis shoes? My mind. But <laughs> the reason why I brought that up is uh, the history of foam. So foam was created in the night in the 1970s and it was a uh, ethyl ethylene vinyl acetate, which is just, it's a nice chemical compound that allows air to be infused into this foam to create the, the cushioning that we're used to now. Mm. And obviously every company has their own way of making it. And now there's, there's uh, companies that are putting nitrogen into their foam to create even more response and more absorption. And I haven't run in them, um, but I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on, do you prefer the squishy foam or more of like a firm foam or no foam? Like what are your thoughts on all the different foams that we have out there? It depends on like what I'm trying to do in it, because like we talked about Hoka's before I have run in the Bondi before, which is their like max cushion shoe. And that is a little bit too soft for me. So like for my preference, I do like something with a little more feel to it, like with that kind of more responsive foam. So that's why I've always liked Saucony because their foam is kind of that, like almost feels like you're, you're kind of, you can feel everything coming back into your foot, like being a track person, spikes always felt comfortable for me. So I've always liked things that are a little bit lighter that that more ground feel. That being said, I do like the squishier foams for like my recovery days or days where I'm not worried about going a certain speed. If I can kind of turn that part of my brain off and just run shoes with that kind of soft foam feel really good when you're going for like those longer runs. So it just kind of depends on what mindset I'm in, what my goal for each run is. That's probably overthinking it, <laughs> but <No. laughs> that's where my brain goes when I'm trying to decide what shoe I'm wearing today. <laughs> well, no, that's run coaching right there. Cause, yeah. um, yeah, that, that really, that just shows what we're offering here at Charge, uh, that hyper detail yeah. of what coaching, <laughs> of like what type of shoe are you going to be running in today? There is and, a preference um, though there, for sure. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Um, I always have gone light to almost, uh, I actually used to do running in minimal shoes, mm. whereas uh, no cushioning. Yeah. Cushioning, cushioning, yeah, no cushioning at all. <laughs> and I was like, tongue twisted. And um, I've used to do miles on concrete with, just uh sandals mm. 
I used to, I, I was one of those. I was one of those. I was wearing my, my Jesus sandals and I'm going out there and I'm, I'm doing my thing. And, um, and it felt good to an extent mm. that out of nowhere, my knees started hurting. My calves started hurting because uh, all that force that I was putting on concrete. But the moment I touch a trail, it felt amazing. And um, that's what I, w- I would like to, to tell our listeners is don't be attached once again to, to anything. Really mm. try and have that variety. Uh, the shoe that you feel great on concrete with, on asphalt with, may completely feel different on trails. And it depends on the trail. Is it a scrambling type of trail? Is it dirt sand? Is it more of a mossy grass? And uh, there's so many different types. And that just, there's so many different types of shoes out there. <laughs> Experiment, go have some fun. <laughs> yeah, really it's have, have the most fun. And that's what I love about running is we can do whatever, whenever, mm-hmm. wherever in the world and uh, not feel limited. Don't go running on, on a volcano though. I don't know how that would go. Not recommended. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. But there's like running on ice over in Antarctic marathons. There's You have options. <laughs> I mean, how long did you run in? Were you running in the Luna sandals or what were you running in? When you no, I had, um, I had a pair of earth sandals. I still have okay. them. Yeah, earth sandals. They were very minimal. I think they're about this thick, if you could see that. About this it's like, thick. There's like centimeters there for those of you listening in. <laughs> yeah, very, very small. And um, I like them because they wrapped around my foot and they, the strap, I would tighten it and it would like lock my ankle in. Mm, yeah. And um, my toes were out. So my, my foot splay was perfect. And I did that for about, about a month, month and a half. I would go outside, run my miles. And I would also take them on a treadmill and do some miles on there. But I noticed when I was doing it, like I said, my knees were hurt, but I wasn't going faster. Mm. It was a very enjoyable run. I was feeling great doing them. And um, I'm, I love going fast. So I was like, all right, if I have speed work, I'll warm up in these. And then I'll transition into my shoes and into my running sneakers and do my speed work in those. And uh, that, that when I did that transition, everything kind of fixed itself. Yeah. I like, I like minimalist shoes and I've, I enjoyed the barefoot movement for what it did for running because it did force some things into like mainstream running conscious. That is like, as when I was coaching in college, we would make everyone do like three minutes of running barefoot on the grass after every like easy run. That way you're like building up those muscles and you're getting some of that, those benefits without overdoing it to the point where you're just wearing yourself down. And it did another thing of before, like before board to run and before like the barefoot movement came in, all heel to toe and stack heights and shoes were a lot higher. You had a lot more like eight millimeter and 12 millimeter and 16 millimeter heel to toe drops. Whereas now the average heel to toe is probably like six or eight, which I think works a lot better for like majority of the runners out there. Yeah, we were about to be running in heels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, it wasn't working. And a lot of, um, during that time, a lot of shoes were coming out to battle the barefoot movement, saying that our sneakers could actually fix your injuries. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a lot of companies, they went down under. I'm not going to name any, but they did go down under because that was their claim of um, fixing injuries. And no one could have that, that claim, at least coming from a shoe. And some are now putting in asterisks of a, we can reduce injury. Yeah. Uh (laughs) And of course they have their own studies out there and all that. And I, I would love working with injured athletes and I look at these and I look at their studies and it's like, 
this makes no sense whatsoever to the average consumer, but they see that to, they see that little, we reduce injuries in big, bold letters. Right. All right. I'm all in. I'm going to pay $200 for these pair of sneakers. And then I get hurt in a month. And like, oh, I was good for a month at least. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like with anything, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, right? You have these like various extremes of barefoot and maximalist. And like, while that does work for some people on either side, like what works best for most people is somewhere right in that sweet spot. And you know, a lot of times when brands make claims, they can't really back that up for the mass general consumer. Yeah, I 100% agree. Play with it. It comes back to that idea of playing with it. Have fun with it. Change it up. (laughs) Have a little fun out there. Yeah, and I guess the next thing we should talk about is how much you should be expecting out of a pair of shoes because that's the other thing that a lot of people have questions on. A lot of people don't necessarily know the right answer to. Donovan, how much how much do you typically run in a pair of shoes? I'll go anywhere from 300 to 500. And that's kind of pushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of let, I kind of play with it. I do examine my shoes a lot. And I, after a run, I'll just be staring at my shoes and all my angles to, to see if one area is getting worn down or not. And um, if it is, that's a sign for me to change up either my strength training or possibly the shoe is just, put um if my body is saying my ankles are hurting or a new injury is coming about and i haven't added anything new in then it's about time for sure to to change it up yeah it's like anything you know listen to your body it'll tell you for the most part when it's time to start paying attention to those things (laughs) and uh when was the last time you looked at the bottom of your sneakers i look at it fairly often because like i said (laughs) earlier like i run like my foot totally supinates because I have, I have like a physiological problem on my right side where my hip just doesn't like fully rotate. So my foot never makes it like through the whole range of motion. So I wear down like the outside of my shoe pretty heavily. So I'm always kind of paying attention to that, but there are a couple of things that you can do. Um, like you said, the rule of thumb for whatever shoe is simply like 300 to 500 miles, depending on like how hard you are on shoes, what kind of runner you are. And the materials matter too. Like a pair of Hoka's you get a little bit more out of because there's more there, there's more to bite off. Whereas like a pair of racing flats or lightweight trainers, they're going to break down a little bit quicker just because the materials are lighter weight. That's something that is just naturally with the materials that they use. However, what you can do is you can look at your shoes, look at the bottom, see how you're wearing them, but you can also try to compress the foam. And that's something that You know, if you take the side of your shoe and you push down on it and you find that you can bring your fingers together really easily and there's not much resistance, that means it's time that you replace those shoes because that foam has kind of lost its integrity. However, if you kind of push down on the sides and you're still got some bounce back, even if the shoe might look a little bit worn, then there's still some life left in it. But like you said, if you're feeling it, then probably, probably the time to switch it out. (laughs) I think that's a, a great hint, um, a little tip there. I've never, uh, I've never done that, squishing the actual foam itself. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm probably going to do that right after this. <laughs> yeah, so take a like. It's a really fun experiment to do if you have like a really old pair of shoes and like a newer pair of shoes. You can really tell the difference. You take it, you'll see how much effort it takes to kind of squish it down, and then take a new pair of shoes and do the same. And you'll find that on a new pair of shoes, you can barely, you know, barely compress it. Whereas on a pair of shoes, you have say 500 miles, and you're going to be able to compress that foam pretty easily. All right. I'm already thinking, how do I have a pair of uh, old, the, the first, uh, 
Check it out. Marathon. I did, I did it in uh, these sneakers and they were great. And then after that, I was like, I probably ran enough of these and I just put them off to the side. I signed them on the bottom, like first marathon. And I just <laughs> nice. found them. I was like, all right, maybe, maybe they're not done yet. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of things you pick up working in the running store. Cause people will come in, they'll bring their shoes. They'll ask you to look at them, you know, just to see how many miles they have left. And usually like, okay, these are done. But sometimes you're like, there's a little bit more room left in there to, <laughs> to, to get some extra, some extra, extra some, in there. Right. <laughs> I like that idea. I've never, uh, I'm, I'm I'm excited to try that out. So I'm curious for, for everyone that's uh, listening and watching, definitely drop a comment below. I'd love to see like, what are your thoughts? Like, are you shocked that uh, your sneakers still have foam or you, you still have that air compression? You still feeling good? I'm like, all right, you're going to get some more miles. I'd love to know from all the runners out there or yeah. walkers or walkers. It's just that thing too. Like if you're not necessarily keeping like diligent notes on how many miles you put in a pair of shoes, then, you know, it's a nice, easy test to be able to tell. Yeah, because uh, there was before before time of uh, you know tracking yourself, people would just go. Mm. They, they didn't have their their nice watches and all their apps to track themselves. They would just, all right, I'm gonna run and put it in my notebook, or I'm mm. not doing it at all. <laughs> and then you're like, you look at the tread and like, all right, that tread's wearing. Then it's time to replace it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I used to do when I was uh, in high school, college. That's what I was doing. I never tracked my miles for some reason. Now I have to. Now I definitely get to. And, um, I'm curious on, did you, did you ever experiment with, uh, the minimalist shoes? I did like after born to run, that's when like Nike freeze started to get big. So I like, I, the original Nike freeze, which were like kind of a minimalist shoe, they're not anymore, but at that point they were very much just like a little bit of foam. Um, and then I ran in the, the Brooks pure connect. That was my other shoe that I ran in for a while. That was I really like that shoe. Um, and I'm actually kind of sad that they got rid of it. Uh, and then, you know, from there, I just started going with a little bit more traditional running shoe. But honestly, like, I still like minimal shoes. It's just with the amount of miles that I do, sometimes it's nice to have something with a little more cushion to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely right there with you. I did, um, I did, I did the whole minimalist. Now I don't even bother running with that way, but I do a lot of all my strength training, I do in minimalist shoes. Nice. And if I have a couple sprints in there, I'll, I'll do a couple sprints as well. Yeah, I think that's like, honestly, I like minimal shoes and like more minimal inspired shoes. So things with lower heel to toe drops for like speed days, for days where I'm doing workouts. I do feel like there's, I talked about earlier, I feel like there's more responsiveness in those shoes, but also like, I feel like I'm a little bit easier to get up on my toes, a little bit easier to go through that whole range of motion versus in that traditional heel to toe drop. Yeah. And that, that brings me to the science of where we are now mm. with shoes and how much has changed in the past couple of years. Now there's shoes that, uh, they're promoting that toe off the, the forefoot pressing mm. off and doing whatever it takes to get you there versus the, that big heel and forcing you to land on the heel. People are starting to catch on. There's a couple different things. Cause like, that's where you can get into the whole like Nike Vaporfly like dynamics of it. where like, those shoes do have a pretty high heel to toe but it's all like super incredibly responsive foam with a carbon fiber plate to keep your foot nice and stable and then kind of roll you off into the forefoot. And that saves a lot of efficiency over time because that carbon fiber plate is keeping your foot in place. And there's just all this like responsiveness in the foam that really pushes you forward, which is a little bit different than, you know, your typical racing flat has been throughout time. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. The whole the whole carbon uh, metric that we're going through or season that we're going through mm. carbon. Uh, just about every major brand out there is putting carbon in their their shoes. And there's a lot of times work records are being broken just about every oh, other weekend everywhere. now. <laughs> on the roads, <laughs> on the track, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you say that the shoe is a main contributor or the science of training is the main contributor? I mean, honestly, it's a lot of everything, right? Like it definitely is the shoes that has some to do with it for sure. There's no debating that, especially like when you saw everything that Ali Kachoge did, you know, same training, same everything, but now you're in those next percent shoes that just give you a little bit of extra efficiency that someone like that can really benefit from. But like on the track side, we're, we have new tracks technology, we have more widespread training information, everything we know about nutrition is relatively homogenous now. So like at the high level of training, we're probably at the best level we've, ha- we've ever been. And then you put these super shoes on top of it and it's just. <laughs> and these super shoes, they're creating the opportunity for a lot of runners to, um, I think their runners are seeing their, their times getting lower and building that confidence. They're seeing mm. that inner athlete come out and um, not to say that the shoe is supporting, but we all have that in us. We all have the capability to get to that next level and the shoe yeah. is just bumping it up, making it happen a little bit sooner. There's a belief goes a long way when you're already like that fit anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's all, it comes down to that mindset. Like I know when I see my numbers getting faster, I'm going to contribute it to something else versus my own training. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm the one putting in the work regardless, but it's the shoe's fault. It's the shoe's fault. I'm getting faster. Right. Yeah. I just think like, that obviously it is the shoes, but this whole idea of like taking it away from the athletes and putting all of this like time benefit on the shoes, like the shoes do make a difference, but there's also the athlete and the training as well. And it's just, everything's going so well right now that that's why these times are just proliferating. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I haven't run in my carbon shoes, but I'm already looking at a pair they're pretty they're pretty fun feeling uh there's just like so much balance to them it's i don't know it's hard to explain but it feels really good when you're (laughs) actually running fast enough yeah a lot of my athletes i've trained them i've watched their their times just drop when they Mm. put their their carpet on i was like that's the training oh no it's a shoe too okay (laughs) all right i'm looking forward to getting my next pair it might be coming in fall i get to place that pair that order in real soon (laughs) <laughs> looking forward to it looking forward to seeing what happens on it <laughs> all right well i think that's a good place to end the podcast for today donovan thank you for hopping on with me do you have any closing remarks for our listeners yes absolutely it comes down to that mindset party people uh-huh. if you're coming in with a an awesome mindset knowing that you're strong you're powerful you're fast the shoes are only going to support you in getting faster. You're the one putting in the work. You're the one doing all the awesomeness. Yeah. And if there's anything to learn today, it's just like, listen to your body, stay on top of it. Don't let it get away from you. (laughs) That's where I'll leave you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe or follow the page, like the podcast everywhere you see it. And, uh, you know, let us know down in the comments if you keep track of your miles in your shoes and, you know, if you're going to try out how many miles you think you have left in them. (laughs) But anyway, we'll talk to you all next week. And as always, charge on. Charge on.